Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Thank you, Naomi and Grace. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Open your Bibles, please, or your Bible apps to Colossians chapter 4. Beautiful, beautiful time of worship. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. To wholly lean upon his name. You'll never be disappointed. Today I'll be concluding our series in the New Testament book of Colossians. Next Sunday I'm going to be sharing a a special a message. It's Pentecost Sunday. We're going to remember and celebrate the birth of the New Testament church. I encourage you to be in prayer for our president today. Today there's been a, a call around the nation to remember our president in, in prayer. I'd like to take a moment and pray um, for him and for our nation. Let's lift our hearts and voices together in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we, we come before you in the beautiful, powerful, redeeming name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray, God, for our nation. Our nation is a broken nation. God in heaven, as we remember the sacrificial offering of our Savior today around the communion table, I'm reminded of the great spiritual need that exists in our nation. We're a broken nation because we're a sinful nation. We are far from you, almighty God. A nation filled with idolatry, I pray for a spiritual awakening in this nation. I pray for a revival in your church. Those who wear the name Christian, I pray for a revival in your church. That your church would truly awaken and come alive and be the light and salt that you have called us to be in this world that we live in. Almighty God, Send a revival to your church that would stir up a spiritual awakening from coast to coast, from the east coast to the west coast. We need you. We're a needy people. Oh, we need your grace. We need your mercy. Spirit of God, Spirit of God, come in power and might. Convict your people. Convict the world of their unrighteousness and of their need for you through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray for our president. We pray for our vice president. We pray for the cabinet members, those who provide counsel. We pray for godly men and women to surround our president who are filled with your truth, filled with your word, filled with your spirit. Oh, that he would receive godly counsel. I pray for a spirit of humility to to fill our president, to, to rule and govern his life and his decisions.
Father, I pray for your wisdom. I pray that our president would walk upright. I pray for godly counsel. I pray for protection for him, for his family. For all those that are serving, regardless of what aisle you represent. We pray for this nation. That we would be a nation that would truly serve the one true living God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it in his redeeming name and all God's people say, amen, amen. I encourage you to read and reread all four chapters of Colossians. Such a rich book. The book of Colossians is a defense of the sufficiency of Christ. The apostle Paul's stated mission for this letter and his entire ministry is to bring, is to help bring everyone to maturity in Christ. The risen, ascended, and soon coming Christ. The gospel came to Colossae when, Colo- when a Colossian named Papyrus heard Paul preach Jesus at Ephesus. He believed and returned to his hometown to preach Jesus. Five years later, we find him seeking out Paul in prison to tell him about false teachers disrupting the Colossians' young faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. These false teachers were telling them that Jesus was not not enough. Oh, how sweet it is to trust in Jesus, to lean wholly on his name. How fitting. They were telling them, the Colossians, these these young believers, that Jesus was not enough. They needed something more than Jesus. False teachers had come into the city of Colossae and were trying to deny that Christ was sufficient. They were trying to deny that all you needed was Jesus Christ. They were trying, they were they were saying you need Christ plus human philosophy. You need Christ plus the Mosaic law to save you. You need Christ plus mystical relationships with angelic beings. It's right there laid out in this letter. You need Christ plus a life of self-denial. Paul writes this letter to remind believers that faith in Jesus Christ is all they need to be saved. Can I hear a big amen? Church, there are many false saviors, but only one true savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. In rebuttal, the apostle Paul declares in chapter 2 of Colossians, verses 9 and 10, for in him Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and power. Did you hear that, church? And you are complete in him. It's Jesus plus nothing. You are complete in him. In fact, when Jesus hung on the cross... He shouted these words, it is finished. Nothing else was needed. Can we praise him, church? He's worthy to be praised.
the whole letter to the church in Colossae speaks powerfully to the supremacy of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul begins his letter in chapter 1 laying out in the clearest of terms Christ's supremacy. In chapter 2, the Apostle Paul talked about demonstrating the supremacy of Christ in your identity. Your identity as Christ followers is in Christ. Christ is your identity. Christ is my identity. In chapter 3, he talked about demonstrating the supremacy of Christ in your personal purity, in your relationships, in your church community, in your workplace, and in your home. You see, since Christ finished work on the cross is sufficient, is sufficient to redeem me, to redeem you, since he has given me new life, since he has given you new life, since he has given me resurrection life, since he's given you resurrection life, eternal life, and such a new life, says Paul, demands a new lifestyle that is marked by new language. New speech that attracts the attention of those on the outside of these four walls. Those outside the faith, the unbeliever. Here in chapter four, as Paul prepares to close his letter to the Colossians, he encourages the church, he encourages believers to demonstrate the supremacy of Christ to those who do not know the gospel. How many know people that don't know the gospel? They don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. How many people know somebody in that situation? He writes, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant or watchful in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom to those who are outside. Redeem in the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. How can we best demonstrate the supremacy of Christ to those outside the faith, to those outside the four walls of of this community of believers? Three things we, we see here in today's text. Number one, pray earnestly or pray boldly. Pray boldly. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel of Christ. If you're taking notes, fill in the blank, pray boldly. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel of Christ. Gracious Father in heaven, I pray through the preaching of your word that you would be glorified, that the body of Christ would be strengthened, built up, and edified. And I pray for those that are here today, they're seeking, they're searching. I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open their hearts and minds to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they would believe upon the Lord Jesus and be saved. And everyone says, amen. Pray boldly. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel of Christ. Paul writes, continue earnestly in prayer. 
being vigilant or watchful in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And Paul ends his letter just like he started his letter, talking about prayer. He describes how they are to pray earnestly. Other translations say, devote yourselves. In other words, don't stop praying. We often say we are too busy to pray, but the Bible tells us we should be busy with prayer. Can I hear a big amen? Or oh me. In the New Testament, there are 24 commands to pray. In the New Testament. The word translated continue means to be strong towards something. In the Greek, it means to be courageous and bold and persistent. It's the idea of hanging in there, persevering in prayer until God does something. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. We don't walk by sight, but by faith in the risen, ascended Son of God. Paul says, pray watchfully. Ancient cities were fortified by gigantic walls. On the walls were watchmen. It was a very, very important job. One of the main tasks of the watchmen in the Old Testament was to be on the lookout for any signs of disturbances and activities and schemes of the enemy. God's people had real enemies. In church, we have real enemies today. In fact, the apostle Paul, right into the church in Ephesus, he writes, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, high and dark places. We have, we have a real enemy. We have real enemies, don't we, church? Their job was really twofold. See the enemy alert the people of enemy attack. And there were actually two kinds of watchmen. One stood on the walls keeping watch, guarding and protecting the people from surprise enemy attacks. I'm reminded of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Peter writes, be sober, be vigilant. That word is watchful because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion looking, seeking whom he may devour. Church, we're called to pray watchfully. A second type of watchman guarded the crops. In an Aragarian society, guarding the crops was of great importance. These watchmen would protect the crops from wild animals and from their enemies. These wild animals would love to destroy the crops Their enemies would love to set their crops on fire. These watchmen would protect the crops from wild animals and and, and from their enemies. The survival and prosperity of the family or nation depended on having a good harvest. The loss of their crops wasn't just a financial loss. Starvation was a real possibility, especially during the winter months. These watchmen protected their food source. Church, 
The prayer life of the believer is a lot like these watchmen. Being watchful in prayer makes us spiritually alert to the schemes of the enemy, the devil, to any potential attacks by false teachers on our spiritual food supply, which is the word of God. Praying people are discerning people. Praying people more easily identify false teachings and false teachers. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said to his sleeping disciples in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 38, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Church, when we pray, God speaks. Paul says, pray thankfully. Thanksgiving is a very vital part of prayer. Here is the apostle Paul in prison, still thankful. Still thankful regardless of his situation. His circumstances did not dictate whether or not he was thankful. He was complete in Christ, lacking nothing. A thankful heart is a hopeful and persevering heart. He tells the Colossians that he's praying for them. He's praying for them and for himself. And he's asking them to pray. That God would open a door to share the gospel. Door in the New Testament means opportunity. God's in the business of opening doors, providing opportunities for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to open up the doors. You don't have to be pounding on doors. You don't have to kick doors open. God's in the business of opening doors. Now, we try to force doors open, don't we? We try to kick doors open, don't we? But all we do is cause a mess and a lot of trouble. God's in the business of opening doors, providing opportunities for us to share the gospel of Christ. He asked the Colossians to pray for him that he may open his mouth with boldness and preach the gospel. Paul saw his imprisonment as a great platform, as a great opportunity to win lots of prison guards and prisoners to Christ. He was like, man, this is awesome. I'm in these chains with these rats. What a platform. What an opportunity to win lost prisoners and lost prison guards to Christ. Thank you, God. How convicting. He he viewed his circumstances as a unique opportunity for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 4, the church under great threats to stop preaching the gospel. Pray for boldness. Verse 29 of Acts 4 says, Now, Lord, look on their threats, they cried out to God, and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Verse 31 of Acts 4 says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. 
heaven's boldness, heaven's power. And the first time we read of a prayer request made by the early church, it's a prayer for boldness to speak God's word. This is the first recorded prayer request of the early church. Church, pray for divine opportunities to share the gospel. When you do, you pray according to God's will. He's in the business of opening doors for us to share the gospel. Notice in our text, Paul doesn't ask for the prison door to be opened. If we're honest with ourselves, that would be our focus. That would be our prayer. God, open this prison door. God, get me out of here. God, get these chains. I don't want to be with these rats. I don't want to be with these prisoners. I don't want to, I don't want to be with, next to these guards, these prison. God, get me out of here. Open these prison doors. But if you notice in our text, Paul doesn't ask for the prison door to be open, but instead he prays for the door to be open to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I encourage you this week to pray for divine opportunities, for doors to be open to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll be amazed. The opportunities that God will afford you, that God would afford me. In Revelation chapter three, verse eight, Jesus says to the faithful church, he writes seven letters to seven churches. He writes to the faithful church. He says, I see your work. I see your work and I'm blessed by your work. I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. No one can shut it. No demon in hell can shut it. No devil can shut it. No religious person can shut it. This is the door I pray is open to me. The door Jesus opens. I don't want to try and open my own door. This will only cause damage. God's divine timing is everything. You'll know when Jesus opens a door for you to share the gospel. You'll know. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You'll know. And when he does, when he makes it known that this is a door that he's opened, be sure to open your mouth and speak God's word. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 15 says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach, who speak the gospel of peace. How can we best demonstrate the supremacy of Christ to those outside the faith? Number one, pray boldly. Pray bold prayers. Do you know who you're praying to? Pray bold prayers. Do you know whose name and authority you're praying in? Pray bold prayers. He desires that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. 
Next, walk wisely. Live your life in light of the gospel of Christ. First, pray boldly. Pray bold prayers. Next, walk wisely. Live your life in light of the gospel of Christ. Paul writes in Colossians 4, 5, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Church, we're called to walk in wisdom. Here are four ways we can walk in wisdom. Number one, worship. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Last week we read in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Make sure whatever we do or say is worthy of his name. Worthy of the one who laid down his life for us. For the believer, all of life should be an act of worship. Reverence to the Lord. For the Christ follower, there is no division between the spiritual or secular. We like to compartmentalize our lives. And God doesn't see our lives in that light those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth it's not this is the spiritual part of path this is the secular part of path this is the sacred part of path this is the secular part of path no God doesn't view me that way he sees me wrapped clothed saturated and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. There's nothing secular about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. To fear the Lord means Jesus is our standard. Every word, every deed should be an act of worship. Next prayer, James 1.5. If any of you lacks prayer, wisdom, Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally. We're called to walk in wisdom. Four ways we can walk in wisdom. Worship. All of life is an expression of worship. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All of life is to be reverent lived out reverently, it's reverence to the Lord. Number two, prayer. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all in abundance. We can't get away from prayer, can we, church? Here's the third way we can walk in wisdom, study. Psalms 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom. Dwell means to live in or to be at home. We must allow the word of God to live in us and have a home in our hearts and in our minds. The fourth way we can walk in wisdom is by receiving instruction. Colossians 1.28, 
Him we preach, Paul says, him we preach, Christ we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Sitting under sound biblical teaching helps you walk in wisdom, helps me walk in wisdom. I'm so thankful for our Bible teachers here at Greece Assembly of God. They labor week in and week out studying the word of God in order to share with you the knowledge and wisdom of God found in the Holy Scripture. The Holy Spirit, through their teaching gift, imparts to you and me the wisdom of God. The Holy Spirit uses these teachers, Bible instructors, to grow you and me up in Christ. Can we thank God for our Bible teachers? The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He writes in his first letter in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, the Holy Spirit, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things were we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. We receive God's wisdom by worship, prayer, study, instruction from godly teachers and preaching, preachers. And as you walk carefully and consistently, you can be sure as you walk carefully and consistently the Christian lifestyle, the Holy Spirit uses all four to impart God's wisdom. Hear this this morning, church. It's how you walk that gives credibility to what you say. Paul purposely says, walk, then talk. He says, walk in wisdom. And then talk. Amen? Your walk talks. And Paul, right into the church in Colossae, he says, walk honestly. Ask yourself, does my lifestyle connect with my message? The message of the gospel. The message of the word of God. What does it say to those living on the outside. Paul says in verse five, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. The Greek word used here by Paul for time is not from the word which means time in terms of clock time. The Greek word Paul uses means time only in terms of its opportunity. It can read, redeeming every opportunity. The Bible talks about the door being shut. In the days of Noah, God gave the people an opportunity to repent and enter the ark. But the day came when the door was no longer open. The opportunity was no longer open available to enter the ark of safety, a picture of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And one day that door shut. Who shut it, Noah? No, God shut the door. 
He opens the door and he shuts the door. Jesus said in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. The Bible talks about Jesus removing the candlestick. He said in John 9, 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After the resurrection, Jesus told his disciples in John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, I also send you. Church, every born again believer, follower of Jesus Christ, the church, we are sent out ones. We are to make the most of every opportunity, of every open door. The Holy Spirit opens for us to share the gospel with those on the outside. And Paul writes to the believers in Rome, in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly. Once again, I'm reminded of this song by the Christian artist Steve Kim back in the early 80s. The church is sleeping. Hell is burning while the church is asleep. It's high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Walk like the new man that you are in Christ. Earlier in the letter, Paul says, take off, put on, take off the old, put on the new. Walk like the new man that you are in Christ. How many in Christ here today? How many in Christ here today? You are a new man, you are a new woman in Jesus Christ. Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Walk like that new man. Talk like that new man. In other words, don't act like a fool. (laughs) Wisdom is the ability to take the truth of God's word and download it into your life. It is the ability to apply it in the everyday places of life. Relationally. In ethics. At work during difficult circumstances, in the midst of temptation, when talking about the hot-button topics of our day, when the Holy Spirit opens a door for you to share the gospel. Wisdom is the ability to apply the truth of God's word. Our helper is the Holy Spirit. God doesn't leave us to ourselves to apply his truth. He provides us a helper, the Holy Spirit. More people are watching you than you think. Most people on the outside are not reading the Bible, but they're reading you. (laughs) Walk wisely, make the most of every opportunity. 
How can we best demonstrate the supremacy of Christ to those outside the faith? One, pray boldly. Two, walk wisely. Three, talk respectfully. Guard your speech for the sake of the gospel of Christ. Paul writes in verse six, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Talk respectfully. (laughs) What does this look like? Number one, it's gracious talk. It's gracious talk. Let your speech always be with grace. It's gracious talk. That's non-existent today. (laughs) You're not allowed to have or voice a different thought, opinion without being demonized and people going off on you. Church, we often act like prosecuting attorneys when we disagree with someone. We're abrasive. We're like that in our homes, we're like that in our church community. So why wouldn't we be like that in the world, those on the outside? We're condemning. We're not kind. We can be so unloving, void of grace in our speech. Luke 4.22 says of Jesus that everyone marveled at the gracious words, words which proceeded out of his mouth. Jesus didn't shove the Bible down someone's throat. He built relationships. He was kind and caring. Where you saw Jesus really express anger, it was towards the religious people. They had their list of do's and don'ts. Not inspired by God, by the way, but inspired by man. And the Jews, they walked around with this heavy weight and and burden, they were weary. Troubled because it was impossible for them to keep that list of do's and don'ts perfectly. They walked around with such guilt and, and condemnation and not the freedom that God's grace provides, not freedom to go on sinning, but freedom to serve the risen Savior and to sin less as they continue on that path of being sanctified, made more and more into the beautiful image of their Savior, where one day when they cross that finish line, they will be glorified just like Jesus. Not till then. Come on, church, let's praise his name. He's worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. He built relationships. He was kind and caring. Jesus took interest in others. Others that were different. Others that were outcasts. Others who society looked at as the scum of the earth. 
Man, he took a lot of heat from the religious community when he sat and shared a meal with with tax collectors and, and sinners. He took a lot of heat. He always spoke truth. He is the truth. He always spoke truth. Never did he compromise truth. He was the perfect lamb of God. Tempted as you and I. God leaving heaven, wrapping himself in human flesh. In the person of Jesus Christ. Tempted as we are, yet without sin. He always spoke the truth. Never did he compromise truth. He walked it and talked it. 24-7. He walked truth and he talked truth. 24-7. Your walk talks. My walk talks. You know, there's so many hot button issues today. And in the fall, we're going to deal with them. We're going to look at God's word in a message series entitled, Live Like This, Holiness. Your walk talks, my walk talks. I have conversations with people regarding these hot button issues well share your opinion with me pastor I says no I'm not going to share my opinion because my opinion really doesn't matter but respectfully lovingly in a gracious and kind way I will share what God thinks, what God's word says. Church, believe it or not, most people will sit down at the table with you. I said most. I didn't say all, but I said most people will sit down and have a talk with you when you don't go to the table wanting to push your opinion, your propaganda. The Bible says we're ambassadors. What does an ambassador do? We represent the message of the king. Who is our king? Jesus. We have a message. That message is not my opinion. That message is not my propaganda. That message is from God. And it's true. It's true. It's always true. It's never not true. And that's what we're called to share. Not, not shoving it down someone's throat. Not kicking open a door and shoving it down. It's not God's time. God's in the door opening business. And when he opens the door, don't you think he's going to go before you? Don't you think as he's opened that door that he's prepared and ready the hearts to receive the truth of the kingdom of God at that very moment, that chaos moment, that God moment? Not clock moment, but God's moment. Come on, church, someone say amen.
I'm getting ready to land this plane. (laughs) Church, we're to be gracious people. There is so little grace in the world today. And sadly, it hurts to say this, but there's so little grace in the church community today. It ought not to be. In Luke's gospel, he tells the story of the lady that Jesus healed with the issue of blood. It's recorded in Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. After Jesus heals her, he, he called her daughter. Such a tender moment in scripture. She was ostracized and orphaned by society because of her illness, because of she was labeled unclean. There's something more than the healing that took place. As incredible as this healing was, there was something more beautiful and more precious than this healing that took place. Jesus spoke grace into her heart by giving her an identity. Jesus said to her in Luke 8, 48, daughter. She was ostracized by the religious community. She was cast out by the religious community. Orphaned by society. And Jesus said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Oh, how I wish we would see people as Jesus saw them and still sees them. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help see people with his eyes with his heart of love and compassion and grace. There was the adulterous woman who was about to get stoned in John chapter 8 after Jesus rebuked all the stone throwers. He looked at the woman and said in verse 10, Women, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? In verse 11, Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. John 1.14 says Jesus was full of grace and truth. He wasn't full of himself. He wasn't full of lies. He was full of grace and truth. He wasn't full of condemnation and lies. He was full of grace and truth. Here's a great prayer to pray. It's found in Psalms 141 verse 2. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. What a powerful prayer to pray every day. Church, outsiders are not only watching our walk, but they are listening to our talk. What does talking respectfully look like? Number one, it's gracious talk and it's effective talk. Paul says, seasoned with salt. The whole idea here is to talk in a way where what we speak has a positive effect on those on the outside. Our job is not to try and argue people into heaven, but to walk and talk according to the new man so that those on the outside will see and hear Jesus. 
In Colossians chapter 1, Paul prays that they may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work. He writes in in chapter 3, verse 17, in whatever you do, in word or deed, talk or walk, do all in the name of the Lord. The outside, the outsiders, the unbeliever is watching and listening. We learn from Colossians that God does not have a list of do's and don'ts. He has an overarching principle, one principle for us to live by as Christ followers. Make sure your walk and your talk are worthy of his name. Would you join me standing? Church, can we praise him? He's worthy to be praised, worthy to be praised, worthy to be praised. I'm going to ask the pastor, some of the elders, if you come and if your spouses can join you, just stand across the front as the worship team leads us in this song. If you want to come forward today, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. He's been revealing the love of God to you. He's revealing the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. I invite you to come and, and, and share with one of the pastors, one of the elders. They would be more than happy to pray with you. If we can have some of our deacons and their spouses as well come and, 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 and just come along the front to, to, to pray for some folks that'd be wonderful maybe you're here today and you have a personal need a personal prayer request you need God to intervene you need God's wisdom you want to open your mouth boldly tomorrow because you know God's opened the door but you've been afraid I invite you to come as the worship team leads us in this chorus come and we'll be happy to pray with you we'd be happy to pray for you We'd be happy to answer any questions you have about the gospel of Jesus Christ.